said and she said you need to pay attention If they make the comment then it's worth the mention Jamil and Shatora you know they got the scoop At work talking about what black people do If you ain't real then you probably won't feel this It's all facts you know they coming with the realness Or pettiness either way you are getting it Uncut, unfiltered, and unedited Lifting up the culture, you know how it's gotta be Making words work, give it to you tongue-in-cheek Forget that water cooler, we like tea sweet This is boss talk reserved for the B-sweet B-sweet, B-sweet Boss talk is reserved for the B-sweet B-sweet, B-sweet Cool it out or you end up on that B-sweet Welcome back. It's another episode of the B-Sweet Podcast. I am one half of the podcast. <laughs> he always starts. Because that's what I do. I start. And you finish. That's right. I that's like right. that. I do that. I do I'm that. Jamil. I'm Shatora. And we are back for another episode, another dope episode of the B-Sweet Podcast. B-Sweet. You know, B-Sweet. what's been going on with you, Shatora? Man, I've been, I've been good. Yeah? Yeah. I've been in the zone. What type of zone you been in? I've been in my music zone you got some okay because i know we haven't talked about new bobs or anything we haven't talked about music in a while so what 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 type of music zone you been in oh man everything well i can't really say everything actually because it's mainly like uh hip-hop yeah (laughs) if i say everything that's a lot but i will say like i was thinking about like Mm covid19 and like different phases of covid19 like has a song for me okay so like um when the tootsie slide came out like, I feel like that that was like the beginning of COVID-19 and, mm. you know, it, it kind of got me through. And then... Did you learn to dance? I, I did, but <laughs> it, I don't like the dance. I mean, it's corny. it doesn't... It's corny. It, it's so, corny, yeah. but too, like, it doesn't go with like traditional dance. You can't do right foot up, left foot slide, left foot up. Yeah. You can't, yeah. that's it's not like, how, like how your feet work. Something, right. But yeah, yeah, so anyways, no, but, but, um, th- that to me was the, the quarantine song. Mm-hmm. And then if you watch the video, it's the quarantine video. Um, so that was cool. And then, you know, I think about Megan the Stallion. She cha- she like uh, TikTok like exploded mm-hmm. when she came out, and just um, everybody. I just want to be clear: a stallion is a dude. So, <laughs> 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 so if y'all didn't know, like I just want to put that out there because I've been so confused. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it is what it is. So, <laughs> it's what it know. is. I mean, we you is. know we we know how to co-op things sometimes and <laughs> and make it something that so is we not, make it what it is. Yeah, absolutely. we redefine we, it. Yeah, we, we make, redefine we, it. We make shit cool. Yeah. You know, so, so. Um, so savage. You know, I uh, I got so tired of hearing that song I mean, and seeing that damn dance, man. Oh my I am, god, I am I am a little bit, but then Beyonce came in, and I was like, I could be a rapper now. That, no, that be, Beyonce <laughs> killed that verse, yo. Yeah. She killed that song, you she know. Did. So like that, she did. that was a she whole spit vibe. Hot fire. She she spits better than ninety percent of the rappers that Ooh. that we hear out right now. Ooh, that's facts. Ooh. That's big facts. Ooh, I mean, watch <laughs> out because they're coming for our heads. Yeah, I don't care. 
Watch but out. I got the beehive on my side, though. <laughs> okay, well, you definitely do. Definitely do. You know, but no, but she, you know, she, it was it was just a dope, it was a dope song. I, again, I just got tired of hearing it. I, I was just be in a car with yeah, my we, wife. We absolutely and come on the radio it. and then she'll just start doing the dance while she's sitting in the, in the passenger seat. And I'm just like, oh my God, let me turn, turn it off. You yeah, know, we, so. we just, we really overdid it. Yeah. Like, like we killed it. Yeah. Like it, it, it was a, it was a bop, but then it's like, you know, it might make you want to throw up. Yeah. Um, and then there was, um, don't rush. Oh God, 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 oh my God, I'm like, so, so tired of that so, song too. Right, but here's what I want to say, is that like, I am so addicted to Afro beats now. Yeah. Like, Afro beats is killing it right mm-hmm. now, and... I can't really name any of the songs or the artists, <laughs> but I know when it comes on. Burner Boy is like, Burner Boy. yeah, he's, he's super there dope. There you go. You yes. Know, Afro B, super yes. dope. You know, Wiz Kid, you know. So, Thank you. Thank you, yeah. DJ. Yeah. Jay gets busy. <laughs> they, they super, yeah, Afro Beats is a Afro Beats is like, I mean, like, I, the, it really, that song kind of really elevated the profile of Afro Beats mm-hmm. all around. True that. Um, and the flow is just funky. It's just yeah, different. It is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's good. And like, it's not one of those genres of music that like every song sounds the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I re- that I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really get down with that. And then like, even like J Cole came out with some new stuff. Yeah. Really yeah. super conscious. Did you, I actually heard that J Cole is trying out for the NBA right now. Um, I heard that he might be getting a 10 day contract. How old is with J. Cole? The, he's yeah, he's up there, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's when I, when I heard it, but I'm just like, wait, he's, Oh, like he's yeah, like almost up there with me. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, and I'm in my, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I heard he's supposed to be getting a 10 day contract with the, um, the Charlotte Hornets, you know? So. I mean, you know, he's, he's good. He's, you know, he's, he's trying good. to, he's trying to go he's that Master busy. P route, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, so. yeah, he's staying busy. So, but yeah, we that. needed to hear new J Cole music, man, especially in light of everything that's, that's been happening in the world, you know, uh, you know, he, he's always a refreshing voice, you know, so, yeah. so I'm just, uh, I'm always glad to hear, you know, some new J Cole. Music, yeah. You know? Um, pray for Kanye. Yeah, um, Jesus, but I mean, I don't, I don't even want to get on that soapbox right now. Not a whole, not a well. I mean, there's endless things to say, but yeah, boy, that's a whole nother. Honestly, that's a whole nother podcast right there. That is, that's a whole nother podcast because we that's that's, that's Kanye, health. that's mental health, that's yeah. like you know, that's a whole nother podcast. Like the, I'll just say this: the one thing that irritated me the most about it is that I had to feel empathetic for Kim Kardashian. And I was like, good gracious. No, now I now, I, I, now I gotta be empathetic for Kim Kardashian. I had to be empathetic for Kim Kardashian. I mean, come on. And I'm good. I'm good on that. I mean, you, 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 know. you can have it. But yeah, no, like uh to me, like when I think of when I when I think all the way back to March when we first got launched in the quarantine to now, like there's kind of been like a song for every phase. Mm-hmm. Um and then Beyonce just came out with, with her visual album mm-hmm. project on Disney Plus, which I don't have Disney Plus, so I haven't watched it yet. I just got Disney Plus because I found out I can get it for free because I have Verizon. Uh, well, <laughs> I got it for three, four years. So. <laughs> well, we'll get that blog. I got later. you. I got you. <laughs> we can talk about <laughs> that offline. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested uh, to, to give that a perusing and, and look at that because, you know, I do love Beyonce. She always gets me out of my seat. amazing. It was amazing on it. Yeah, I, just, I expected something. I didn't expect for it to be a full project. It, it, it was just a visual album. 
that's all it is. Yeah, you know? she doesn't do anything yeah. unless she does it all the way. Yeah, but it was, it was. I mean, the imagery, like just, the, it was just blackity black, man. Yeah. And I just loved everything about it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. super dope. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's where I've been. Okay, you know, chilling, listening. Music is music is always good for my soul. Yes, it is. So, yes, it is. Well, yeah. today we got a, a really uh, dope podcast. We got I, some. Ge- I love when we have guests on our I podcast. Know, I do. love I think when we have guests. Sick of me, you be like, Shora, who's nah, coming nah, on? Nah, nah, <laughs> I can never be sick of you because you probably kick my ass or something. But, um, <laughs> but no, I'm just uh, you know I'm always excited when we have um, guests on our podcast and we got the fellas in here today a little spicy in yeah, here it's a lot of a lot of testosterone <laughs> you know in here today yeah but, yeah but yeah so a you lot go of ahead. culture yeah I, and i love it yeah. i love it so i'll let you go ahead and introduce our guests okay so we've got like this super interesting topic today because as we talk about black lives matter one of the questions that is hanging out there is like how do you define what a black life is Right. And so we know this is the B-suite. And so we we want to expand the consciousness of our listeners to understand, like, what Black Lives Matters means outside of the United States. Mm. And so we have two of our Latino brethren in the house um, who bring, like, this really interesting perspective Two guys from totally different countries different parts of the world, but quite similar perspectives. So we've got Matthew. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Matthew. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Matthew. Really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, well, uh, um, Where's your country of origin or well, countries? My country of origin is the United States. Okay. But ethnically speaking, uh, my father's from Dominican Republic, mother's from Puerto Rico. So I do have a Latino background. Yeah, so you just you're always in conflict inside. <laughs> yeah, like <you're laughs> for a number of reasons, for sure, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for being here. And then we we have Michael, my Hi. guy, and, <laughs> my and guy. these and by the way, these are their birth names. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. Hi, my name is uh, Michael. Nice to meet everybody. Where are you from, Michael? Podcast. I am from originally and raised, born and raised. In Guatemala, from Guatemala, wow. Central America. So, so why do you sound like that? <laughs> we can get into that. Sound like what? Like, what do you mean? What is that? It's a very interesting story. Did you get that from, <laughs> from like growing up, like from relatives or like from friends, did you get that a lot? Oh, nah, nah, like nah, nah, the, nah. Like why do you talk like you're a white person? Well, this didn't happen until I moved to this country. It's a, it's a long story, but I can make it super short if you guys go want ahead, to go through right it. Go right ahead, uh, yeah. Oh, right now we're doing yeah, this? Yeah, oh, right, man, right, 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 all right. So um, my name is Michael. I'm from Guatemala, and I, I arrived to this country in 2005. How old were you? I was uh, 15. Okay. 15, didn't know a lick of English, mm-hmm. and was automatically thrown into um, uh, middle school when I first arrived to this country. Um, I was brought here. Um, I was brought here by my mother, and um, when I say I was brought here, I, I, I'm trying to say I didn't want to come here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a lot of opportunities that I left back in Guatemala, but it was kind of my mother's final decision because she saw she's your it. Mother. It's mm-hmm. my mother. One <laughs> and two. Um, I wasn't raised by her, so her bringing me here, she would she would be able to connect with me. So okay. it, was, it was one of those things. But um, Was she already here? She was already here, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, we already kept that communication. But um, another thing was that she wanted me to have a better future 
even though I wasn't seeing the big picture, she always saw it. So she made these decisions without consulting me or anything. Man, I'm the kid, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of just happened, you know, yeah. after one day. But, yeah. So how did you get this accent? This, this accent? very American. Yeah, because you, you sound very American, bro. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people get confused when they hear me online and then they see me in person. They're just like, what? But, um... The way I got it was through a lot of different things, um, but mostly through uh, MTV2. <laughs> MTV2 and That's TRL amazing. at the time. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. You know, I, I had the biggest stereotypical accent you can think of. Did and you, wait, did you speak English at all before you came here? No. Wow. No. I actually, wow. my first like contact with English language was uh, playing Pokemon, Pokemon on a, my Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was, tr- you know, the only way you can get through that game th- through certain levels is you have to kind of understand it. So you're kind of just figuring out as you go. You're reading along, trying to tr- translate that. And Such you're a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, but yeah, it wasn't until I got here, eighth grade, picked on for not really being able to articulate myself. So I would go home every day and just turn on MTV2 or TRL, because usually that was on, and just repeat how they were talking, how they were speaking. Wow. So I would just constantly repetition, repetition every day after school. So it was like school never really ended for me, but it was just like, if they're, they're okay, they're on TV, they talk like this, this is, that, that could work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, over time it just developed. By the time I was a junior in high school, I was already speaking fully like this. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then, till this day, when I'm pressured or something, you know, an accent comes out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I've never, I've, never I've heard. never heard an accent from you, bro. <laughs> yeah, you guys haven't seen me in a, in yeah. a I guess tense, you got to piss you off or something. I have to ask your wife. From you. <laughs> I have that call Amanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she calls me out on it. <laughs> she, she calls it out. She's like, there it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's but. You know, ultimately, how I viewed it was, you know, able to make it here, make it through. Um, yes, I, I took it as an adaptation, assimilation in a way. Just, yeah, that's, that's exactly what that is. And that's, you know, we call ourselves a melting pot. That's, you know, how we market ourselves to the world. But then when people come from other countries and they speak different or they look different or they dress different or they eat different, we kind of make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. you know, we might pick on people because I pick on you, but for all different reasons, <laughs> not, not because you're different. <laughs> yeah, right? no, I know. no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm I know, kidding. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty silly at times, so yeah, yeah, try to be animated. So, yeah. so I, I'm glad you guys are on, on today because, um, we, we had a conversation about just the, the attitudes and perceptions of the Black Lives Matter movement from your, you know, from where you guys are from. And one of the things, cause I've always been like really intrigued by this. So growing up as a black American, I have several brothers and sisters and we are all different shades of brown, right? And so um, my, I have a brother who would be considered a dark skinned man, right? And he's much darker than I am. And so, uh, Growing up, even in elementary school, they thought one of us was adopted. But um, when I was in college, I went to one of the uh, Latino student groups called Poder. And I went to a Poder meeting, and that was my last Poder meeting. I used to go to all of them. (laughs) And it was my last meeting because, like, I, anyways, I'll get to it. But I go to this meeting, I was late. I was late. And um, I walk in the room, and all my girlfriends are on 
one side of the room. So I just went and sat on that side of the room. And then next thing I knew, they were saying like one side was the white side and one side was the black side. I'm looking around, I'm like, ain't a white person in here. (laughs) I was very confused. Like I was not familiar with this concept whatsoever. And I remember standing up and saying, so you're telling me that in my family, I would treat my brother differently because he's darker than I am. And that I would consider myself like a different race almost because I'm, he's darker than me. And I was just, I I was so offended because when you're black, you just black in Mm. America it's the one drop rule. So, you know, here, you know, when you're black, you're just black. It doesn't matter what now there's colorism and that's not what we're talking about today, but when you're talking about your family. So anyways, um, Kind of, I think I stormed out. I, I, I don't think I made a lot of friends that day, but I, you know, I've never cared about that too much. So we, you know, we were talking one day and we were just talking about, um, attitudes in Latin American culture, um, about blackness or even just what it means to not be white in this country. And Matthew, I'll start with you because, um, we were talking about Hispaniola a lot and that island, um, <laughs> I'm laughing cause his face is like so it's somber deep. right now. It's deep. It's just, it's so complex. Like I'm just, uh, I'm just so like, and I think it's important to talk about what you experienced at both because that's part of the conversation, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's so complex. So like. Like when you when you grow up in America, and Michael, I think I think you'll have a similar experience from a different perspective. But when you're just other, you're just even if even if you look the same, like Mike, we don't look the same. Correct. But we have, but we're lumped together in the same cultural background. And I think there are many aspects of our cultures that we'd be very comfortable with. Food might be one of them in some situations. Yeah, no, we I both agree. eat rice. I agree. Yeah. You know I mean? like, and beans. <laughs> and like, all right, I'll yeah. dabble, right? Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> we both speak Spanish, although there are some words that we might laugh at or the drinks yeah. we might have, right? But the way we look is totally different. And I'm sure there are some cultural practices that I might have that are more close to what Shatora might have, even though we're lumped together. But in America, as an adult, Shatora and I, we haven't understood that we're both black. Mm-hmm. But as a child, mm-hmm. if you're not, and I'm doing air quotes because y'all can't see me. <laughs> if you're not air quote black, you're just not black. So um, what you experienced at Poded was the, was the culmination of not just years of, of that inner conflict these students had, but generations and decades and centuries of racial uh, oppression and of discrimination and of colorism. And the interesting part about being from that culture, Dominican culture, is that Dominicans themselves, many, and I don't want to say Dominicans and all Dominicans, but a lot of Dominicans do not accept the fact that they are black. Uh. They don't like it. They're afraid of it. They don't, they, they think that, and it comes from this attitude that being black is being less than. So, um, so my experience with that is um, it's unfortunate and it's sad. Um, but at the same time, not only do I face that from my own community, but 
but also the larger black community here in America as in, in general. Like, I mean, growing up, um, other black people didn't accept me as being black. Why? Because I also spoke Spanish because, mm-hmm. you know, because my, my culturally, you culturally. Were much different. Yeah. But then again, like culturally you, you can be anything and be black. Black is is your your race, right? Like, yeah, right. Your African ancestry. So, right. the, so that so it's it's very complex. And what you experienced at Boded was like was just compounded trauma, like the fact that, and it's true. Like, I have family that we span the whole entire. I got a little cousin, y'all. She's fourteen. My mom is Puerto Rican. This is my Puerto Rican side. This is and my Puerto Rican side. There to be clear, my mother is white. She's Puerto Rican, but she's white. Mm-hmm. She's one of those, right? My dad is one of the black Dominicans. So I got white family and black family. And I got a younger cousin that is like hardcore Trump supporter, thinks that slavery is like made up, think, you know, mm. and so I deal with that, right? But then I also got the other side of it where it's like the complete opposite, where it's mm-hmm. like that's, you know, so so I'm dealing, I, I'm navigating that and it's just, it's so complex. But the overall experience uh, for me, and, and I, I think many people, that grow up like me of being black is is this roller coaster of like just trying to understand what your identity is what it means to you what it means to other people having this dual identity having like this conversation with your family and yeah like people in my family that don't look like me are treated differently they're not they're not seen as black even though they might have two black parents but they didn't come out black they're not seen as black. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't feel black. Maybe they don't, you know, I don't even know. Do you ever find that, you know, speaking of your parents and such, because uh, you said, you're, you know, you have a parent that's um, Puerto Rican and one that's Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have they ever, I guess, kind of distanced themselves from blackness at all? Oh, man. I, I, so it's crazy. Um just two things I'll say about that. And mom, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> um, and she knows, you know, me, me, her and I, we, we have this kind of conversation all the time. And I think she did her best raising like four black kids. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, that, that's, that's tough. Um, but there was a, she always tells me the story. So my grandfather, World War II veteran uh, from Puerto Rico, uh, my parents met in the 70s in, in Manhattan. Uh, my mom was from Brooklyn. She was living in Brooklyn at the time. My dad was it was living in Harlem. And uh, my grandfather w- w- just did not accept my dad because because he's black. So um, they would my mom and, and her family, they would move neighborhoods. And my grandfather, if he saw a black person, they'd go, no, we're not living here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that. Right. There's yeah. that attitude. Um, and growing up, one thing my mom would always tell me, because I would say, mom, these kids keep bullying me. They call me names, like they racial slurs all the time. I went to a private school. It's absolutely horrible. A lot of it I don't remember, I think, because I purposely try mm-hmm. to forget. For sure. I think that's a common thing. Now I'm yeah. understanding as I get older. But she would tell me, tell them that you're not black, you're Latino. That's something that that's something that uh that a a black parent would never say to their black child, right? No. Mm-hmm. But and I don't I don't blame her for that. It's just she don't how, how could she try to understand a she's a woman and b she's a white woman so it's like you know that's complicated when you have a it's complex it's deep my father never ever um really we never really had much it was pretty much a, a thing like 
I see you, you see me. It was more of him coaching me how to navigate spaces I was in. Like, you know, always keep your your wits about you. Always have a 360 point of view. If you're ever in this kind of trouble, you know, do this. So I think he never had to, um, he never had to kind of explicitly say what we both knew, but he also never backed out of, uh, out of giving me advice based on, here's how you look, here's how you're going to be treated, right? Yeah. My grandmother, his mother, who is like blacker than the night sky. I mean, like, she comes from the south of DR, which is where, um, which is where, uh, you know, in any country where like the coast is usually where all, I mean, look at, look in America, look at the cities, look at the, the Carolinas, look at where all the black people's at. We on the coast, right? Mm-hmm. So um, she comes from a very uh, Afrocentric um, part of the country. And um, one day my cousins and I are asking her about the times when there was a dictator in the country and when tensions between Haiti and DR were super high. And she's like, oh, I'm black, but not like that. Mm. but yeah. not like that mm. so there are granted my grandmother yo mama if you're listening <laughs> if any of my cousins are listening <laughs> i love all y'all i know they're gonna some of them are gonna get tight yeah because this is this is hot hot button yeah. shit but um she's she doesn't read or write she mm. doesn't have schooling you know she's not she just knows what she's been taught what her environment you know and well and it's, that's, i think it's it's um a survival mm-hmm, technique and and we can get i want to get into that in a second mike i want to ask you something that's been burning question for me for oh. the last couple of weeks there is like what was your understanding of black americans before you came to this country oh. and how did you feel about black americans when you came here okay choir minds wants to know <laughs> <laughs> so um uh I had no understanding about black Americans before I came to this country. Um, okay. It's funny that you mentioned the coast. Uh, you know, I live in a very landlocked state. And because of that, we all the people there look like me, just mm-hmm. a little bit different facial complexity. And I'll go into that later. But um, whenever we saw a black person in my town, they would be like, oh, like, oh, there's there's black people here, like. What's going on? He's like, oh, it's people from the coast. They're just, they're just like bringing over like fish and stuff and, and like things like that. And we're just like, oh, okay, you know. And then we had there was I can tell you right now there's maybe five people in the whole town that were black, and mm-hmm. you know we, we all knew them. And but that was my experience in Guatemala to that extent. So, but when you so okay that that was interesting. I wasn't expecting you to say that. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I just want to get to the roots of it. And then I was gonna elaborate on your No, no, no. I just want to know what your perception of so there so there were people who were darker in Guatemala, because you don't look white, but you don't look black either. Correct. Right? So um what was that like? Like you know, you would see black people in Guatemala. What was that like? I mean that perception it it was you know it for when I was young, it was a little rare when I was super young. But once I started hitting my teens, I started seeing more black individuals moving into the areas where we're at. And it just, growing up, I did see a lot of discrimination against okay. individuals. Okay. And, uh, and even though they were Guatemalan, they're yeah. Guatemalan, you know, black folk. And and it was it was just, you st- they were still that stigma against yeah. just for being black. And, and then it just goes back to that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm African or but I'm not black, you know, and, and something like that. And those individuals that I personally knew, they, they wouldn't ever talk about it. They would just dismiss it. 
and just try to go about their lives, really. You know, because there's really nothing. There's no, you know, during those times, there's really no voice for for individuals like that. Or the conversation, I bet you now, still doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, for example, like uh, Mexico, it, it wasn't until 2016 that Mexico accepted uh, black to be on the census. Mm. And it wasn't until they put out a survey out there and 1.3 million black Mexicans responded to it saying that they were black mm. because they've been, you know, fighting for it for the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Yeah. And, and those are the things we that worldwide, baby. And it's a big population compared to the country. And, and it's like that all over it's, uh-huh. it's Central America and the Caribbean, especially there's, yeah. uh, there's a lot more, you know, black Caribbeans and Central Americans, but it does exist. And um, so when you came here, Mm-hmm. What was your experience, like your first, like awareness of, of racism in America, but specifically when it came to black people? Because oh. I know you've had your own experiences. Yeah, um, my very first experience, like bluntly, um, w- that involved uh, black people was uh, the f- it was in middle school. It, there was a big fight amongst black black kids and uh, Portuguese kids. At the time, mm-hmm. you know, and which is why we're talking when I say Portuguese, I mean Brazilians. <laughs> oh, okay. so I, I mean Brazilians. Okay, okay. That's what I meant. Because uh, uh, I, I, when I first arrived here, I arrived to Danbury, Connecticut, and it's very yeah, Brazil, a lot of Brazilians. Yeah, yeah and, and a little bit of Portuguese here and yeah. there. But like, I just say Portuguese because I was thinking about their language they speak. But um, it was a big, massive fight right after school, yeah. and I just didn't understand that. And um, it wasn't until I was on the bus. That one one black kid threatened me, and I was like, "What?" And I was maybe like two weeks into it, two weeks into school, two weeks into being in America. And I was like, "What?" He's like, "He's like, you're just one of those fucking specks, so this and that." And I was like, "What?" Like I I just and at the time, mind you, I'm still trying to learn English, wow. you know. So so it, it was just one of those things. And then it wasn't until later on that I asked uh, my teacher, who happened to be Brazilian, and my when I say Brazilian, I mean. Afro-Brazilians. Okay. I don't mean white Brazilians because, you know, uh, outside of Africa, uh, Brazil is the epicenter for, for, you know, for black individuals because, mm-hmm. you know, col- col- colonialism and all that. But um, that was my first experience when I saw that. It, I, I saw there was a conflict amongst individuals like myself with black Americans at the time. And that I found that so odd. And it wasn't until maybe a year after that that because you know first year you're kind of sheltered in you don't know language you don't get out much uh year after that that uh you know i experienced my first racial racial discrimination encounter with a white individual but uh that's a different story but um that's my first experience of like like racism racism. in america like yeah yeah did it it put a like a sour taste in your mouth about black people being that this was like kind of like your first real experience with or interaction with Black people. So did it put like a, a sour taste in your mouth about black people at all? It, um, to be honest, uh, I would say yes. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I learned to keep my distance because I knew I was not liked, you know. And, 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 you know, we're all kids at the time. We're bozos. We, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, kids are you know? worse. And that's the no. thing. Oh, my God, no, for real. <laughs> uh. But, uh, it, 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 you know, I knew, okay, I, I need to keep my distance. You know, this is going to happen. And maybe... Um, a year and a half after that, I moved to New York, and it was literally the funniest thing. A fight happened the day I moved. I, I went to high school, and it was once again 
this time was Spanish. And at, at that school I went to, it was very Guatemalan focused. Guatemalans versus black people. Oh, wow. And, it was, and then that same day, there was one guy that didn't get caught fighting. He was like, they knew my past and they knew where I was from. They're like, we got you for tomorrow, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just didn't understand it. It was just like, it just something that went from, you know, I thought it was something that just went on. So my interaction with, with black people was in the classroom. That was the only way I was able to actually connect with people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know how I, I can be a little funny and, and that's oh, how you're the best. You're hilarious. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I use humor to, you know, break down, peel off the onion of people mm -hmm. not trying to interact and not trying mm -hmm. to, you know, mm -hmm. make friends or just be a little open with them, with mm -hmm. others, you know? So I use humor to do that and I, I do it with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it wasn't until I was, you know, sophomore year in high school that, I started to, uh, you know, heavily trying to in infiltrate the community, I would say. Because it was, if, if you weren't black, you, you weren't a part of it, you know. And if you weren't living in this neighborhood, you weren't a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're That's just, New York. I, I was just viewed as a, a Mexi, you know, a Mexican, you know. But I'm far, far from a Mexican, you know. But, like, it's, it's that aspect. So, it, it, you know, it's, yeah, high school is very territorial in a way but yeah. you know once i got to college everything changed it wait was, so you had a bad high school experience oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so I, you know i really want to talk about within um the latin american culture like that divide of black and white that still for me as a black american is really hard to understand because like it's really based on skin color and not where you're from and so, you know, what, how, like, how does that, where did that come from? Let's talk about that. Like, where does this come from? Because it's like, it's strong in, in yeah. a lot of people and like ingrained to be like, well, I might be brown, but I'm not black. You yeah, know? I think it's something that is still prevalent today. Yeah. And I talk about, I, I, I I'm referring to like our media. Like our outlets, oh, man. You Who's know, media? Dude, like, did you see on Netflix a documentary that came out about um, uh, 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 um <laughs> mercado, right? Yeah, Walter I saw mercado. a lot. Yeah, mucho mucho amor. Okay. Yeah, that's that's one thing right there. That's an example. We connect right, right there. there. Yeah, I mean, like what you know, Latin family didn't watch Walter Mercado at the time. I, I, you guys are looking guys at are us. Gonna, no, yeah. we're, we're crazy. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, oh, so yeah. what yeah. he's doing, right? It's yeah. brujeria. Yeah, it's like santeria. Which is Witchcraft? from African culture. Mm -hmm. this, this Wait, okay, you guys gotta bring it back because you're speaking Spanish. So there's this, there's this guy. I love it. There's this guy from like the, what 80s, 90s, super famous, 80s. like is androgynous, like white dude. Okay. Who first of all, androgynous white dude, right? right. If you're androgynous in anything other than white, you you're, are like prosecuted, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, um, Long but he's eyes. like glorified, and he does like essentially witchcraft, like, and 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 the thing I'll say about Latin America is that there's like you know how in the united states they're like we're going to separate church and state in <laughs> yeah. in latin america they, they never job. really did that and also yeah. they there's like this huge like fallacy and i love the word fallacy because it reminds me of the word phallus and that is literally what people like it's so dumb so um they think that i mean somebody who's like white like the paper on your notebook will mm -hmm. say like i am a mixture of Taino, like indigenous and African blood. And it's like, wait, 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 no, you're not. Like, maybe, how? 
Okay, maybe you are. But you're going to walk around. Like, am I going to walk around and say that I'm white? Y'all all looking at me. Would that would I would I, no, would no. I sound crazy? Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so like so you there's sound like a self hater. So now there's also the food, the music. Uh, in America, black and white people and I say North America and the northern United States, black and white people eat very different things. Mm-hmm. In uh Latin America, they don't. Everything, the music in North America is very different between white and black. Mm-hmm. In Latin America, it's not. They eat the same food. They wear the same clothes. They practice the same, a lot of the times, the same customs, mm-hmm. give or take the very deeply rooted, uh, you know, African customs, white Latinos, maybe not. Um, but I mean, take example, uh, um, bachata. I'm sure you guys all know what bachata is. Oh, or salsa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The song these, that never ends. These <laughs> instruments, oh, come on. These instruments, the guitar comes from Northern yeah. Africa. Uh-huh. The conga comes from Western Africa, comes uh-huh. from the djembe, the, um, the guira, the the maracas these are mm-hmm. all african instruments right and um but it's loved by dominicans across the country whether right. you're white or black even though it was made by black dominicans poor ones and it was outlawed um so when when we when we talk about this this like this what you're saying is shocks you it's just because literally like there's you have to understand that there were african people in these countries like 200 years before they were in North America. Slavery was a huge practice that was going on. And there was um, like a lot of mixing and, you know, like in, in Mexico, for example, the Spanish had a policy where they, where they actually, um, where they encouraged mixing of races and they also created schools to preserve native languages. So they were like, they were, whereas in North America, they were like, no, 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 we're not doing that. That's crazy. You go that way and you go that way. And, um, although, you know, like there certainly was some mixing, it's like taboo. Even now documentaries coming out about this president who had like children's with this slave, people are like, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's wrong. I can't be. So yeah. I think in Latin America, people are very comfortable with the idea that cultures and races and ethnicities, they mingle and they mix. And mm. at, at the same time, okay. at the same time, it's still, you still see very clearly that there are white and black, but there's also right. a whole lot in the middle. So in the United States, we had bright line court cases that dictated what race was. Yeah. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, uh, so it, that wasn't the case in Latin America. No, actually my, I was looking at my, cause my sisters and I were, were going for our dual citizenship. Uh, cause if you're the child of a Dominican citizen, you have the right to citizenship. Mm-hmm. So by that, when I get my citizenship, my daughter will also, and her children. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the birth certificates that my um, my father, his birth certificate literally says, um, the child is of color and the options are negro, blanco, or... Um, or Mestizo. Mestizo or something like... Or, and, and they have like three or four different... They, they, they categorize you by color mm. and so by race shade? by shade. Yeah. And the thing is about, I think, and now you guys had court cases here, yes. but remember they're using systems that were put in place 500 years ago that depending on the amount of Spanish blood you had, okay. that's how they categorize you. There was like mestizo, um, uh, mulatto, which actually we use the word mulatto totally wrong. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between mestizo and mulatto? Mestizo means that you have some indigenous blood right indigenous blood mulatto means that you are mostly just black with a like a little drop of of white right a a little drop of your and here i was listen i was in providence and um my cousin is dominican his his wife is white 
and I'm with my my, my family, and this wait, waitress comes to the table, and she goes, oh, my kids are mulatto, too, because she's looking at our kids, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, but the systems that they put in place in in Latin America are are way more rigorous, and quite frankly, honestly, they're way more dangerous. Like, like you know, there's no, like, I don't know how the census works over there, but I'm pretty sure, you know, it would take, a, it, it's, it's, it's like, um, what's the word? Like ancient, <laughs> like, and when things are that old, they are, they are going to eventually explode. Right. Like, yeah. so, but I mean, it's just, it's just a different, like a different way of looking at things like legally. So, and, yeah. so, so what happened with this, with this guy who's androgynous on Netflix? Oh man. Oh. So Walter Mercado, he's saying, you know, you say it's brujeria, which you're correct. Uh, but his main thing is to uh, tell you your uh, astronomical sign and just tell you about what you to expect that day. And, okay. and he just became the biggest like thing on earth. Like, like a Pope. We're talking about the whole planet knew who this person was at the time. I, I, I just recommend you guys check that. Check that out. It's on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. On Netflix. What's the name yeah. of it again? Uh, what happened to Walter? Is that what Yeah. It's or like mucho, mucho amor. Mucho amor. Mucho amor. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's just crazy. But it, it, that's, but yeah, you know, he was a blonde, blonde white guy with blue eyes and he was considered, you know, the second coming of Christ at one point, you know. Well, Christ wasn't born with blue eyes, but no. that's not for today. Yeah, I know. We won't do that today. Not today. Yeah. I can't. Don't trigger me. <laughs> so, so are you saying that, like, so how did his way of interacting with... Well, no. So what I'm, I was trying to refer to is um, this, this whole idea of not trying to be black. Right in in our in Latin American culture, and and that stems from which is pretty prevalent today in our, in our media, our bubble of Spanish Latino media or Latin media, and and if you look at media today, any soap opera, any news 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 broadcast, morning show, you're gonna see all white people and one one and one noticeably Caribbean black guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. That, and, and that's what Wait, you're going to see. how is that different from this country? <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, one thing I will say, though, is that you guys got BET. You guys got representation now on Disney. Like, there's some black people all over the place. But Correct. when it comes to Telemundo, Univision, I'm talking like you're in... There was a show called Destilando Amor that I used to watch with my mom. I'm up on all these soap operas. Like, they're actually <laughs> really, really fucking good. Um, but it's literally takes place... The story's about this guy who owns a tequila company. So he's always at the tequila farm. Every single character they I show like is white. <laughs> you, you're telling me that white people from like Mexico City are out here in the country working in, and when, when we know, we can see, even in this country, <laughs> there's this perception of what, quote, air, again, air quotes, Mexicans look like because of, uh, because of what, what we're shown. But you're telling me on this novella, it's it's all white people. Yeah. So it's like they're keeping all the white people and sending over all of like the air quote real Mexican. It's just very strange. Yeah. So, so that's so, how it is on Telemundo. So it's it's, OD. it's yeah. the, the representation is predominantly. And, and and if you look at it, like who's the mate? The indigenous. Yes, person. always. Always the a indigenous mate. woman. You'll yeah. probably have one rich black or the love Latino interest. in there. Or oh, the, the, the love lo- interest. She's exotic. Yeah. You know? Ooh. Exactly. Because yeah. that's, that's that sounds like some old oh like. 1950s type stuff here yeah. you know yeah, like in terms crazy. of like yeah that's 
That's interesting. Wow. It's because like when I think of Telemundo or Univision, like I think of like oh that's their representation, right. but yeah. you know, but it's, it's not, not, yeah. but it's but not it's really not. the representation. No, it really it's isn't. Not. And, and and you know that what's funny about it is like a couple years back, one of their um, host got into major trouble because he described the photo of Michelle Obama mm-hmm. as a chimpanzee because yep. of her mm-hmm. arms. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I personally like found that really funny because it, it, it was like, hey, that's that's what you get for putting all these white people there because yeah. that's that's the true idealism behind these networks because mm-hmm. that's that's what they yeah. want. White you supremacy know? knows no borders, essentially, right? right? Yeah. Like right. and. Yeah. Another thing, too, is remember what was happening in all of Latin America during the 50s, 60s, after World War II. You had uh, massive, and not to get too political, but, like, you had a lot of dictators. And, you know, like, who put them there? I mean, like, if you're from this country, you know, right? Like, um, (laughs) in DR, you had Rafael Trujillo, and he massacred, like, hundreds of thousands of Haitians. Anybody who was thought to have Haitian descent, he killed you. Or he just got rid of you. And he even... That's like biblical level. He even banned bachata yeah. and created merengue. You know merengue. Yeah. He created merengue because he wanted a big band music with brass instruments that he wanted to essentially make the country more attractive to Europeans to come and, he, uh, and to live there and to, uh, what do they say, pura la raza, you know, like to make it more white. Purify the race. Right? So like that was a big yeah. thing. And so... so you know, so when we're talking about Latinos and Black Lives Matter, like how does this conversation, and I'm actually going to start with you, Mike, because you don't really identify as black. Correct. Right? I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. No, correct. No. And my sister does, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. You just that's, blew my that's mind. That's an interesting dynamic. I wouldn't, uh, right? I wouldn't look I, at you. <laughs> and say, like I look at Matthew and he looks blacker you're like maybe maybe he's got some curls up there but like but you you look very native native american right and you look very south american to me Mm -hmm. right but when when we talk about black lives matter like i know you support black lives matter and um you know white supremacy has impacted you negatively in various ways but like when 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 you try to explain to your family like Black Lives Matter and that like what are those conversations like? Um, they're they're good. Uh, we're we're all about the cause and and honestly, I think that should be the only cause for at this moment that we should all be behind. Um, I feel some type type of way when I see friends in California that are carrying Brown Lives Matter too or Latino Lives Matter too, and I'm like. My guy, that's yeah. that's just I'm trying to the co-opt the message. Yeah, it, but, well, but that's the thing. But if Black Lives Matter, like, yeah. How about yeah. Latinos for Black Lives Matter? What? Yeah. <laughs> Correct, because that's the issue. That's that goes back to you know I'm not black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm African, but I'm not not black, and 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 that's the problem. It's it's this belief that Latinos can separate themselves from the group that easy you know right. it's it's either okay or it's either not okay right. you know what i mean it's yeah. either not okay or all okay so mm-hmm. i you know i i i stand you know behind black lives matter you know and and i'm not for like you know latinos Lives matter of course but we're all part of this it, it's only through black movement black civil movement in this country that we have been able to move on up Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There, Absolutely. There's no other explanation. All of the yep. civil rights acts, Correct. and even the civil rights act triggered the American Disabilities Act. Like, there's 
all these different ESL programs in schools. Yeah. Correct. So, ESL programs in yeah. schools alone, you know? So, you know, I think though, if you look at civil rights activists, even towards the end of his life, Martin Luther King really shifted from civil rights to human rights. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. And that's a part of the story. Even me personally, I'm deeply passionate about, um, black issues, right? Because, you know, the, but because I've lived it mm-hmm. and, but now, you know, I see what's going on with women in Turkey and I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off that we aren't talking about that more. Nobody's Why? Because about. people shouldn't just be dying unjustly for no reason, just because of their gender or their race or whatever. Like it's all the same issue. Mm-hmm. But what I will say though, is how do we help? How, how do we kind of, I mean, there's just this whole different, to me, it's like astronomical, this mind shift for Latinos to understand that black Americans have a very deep seated um, uh, bias and racism in this country against them. And that by all of us standing together, we help, uh, we elevate each other and we, we increase our rights together. Like when one benefits the other benefits, Correct. right? Yep. So how do we like, how do those conversations happen? Wow. I mean, I think the first thing that we all can hear agree is that education is like a key that unlocks a lot of doors. Right. Okay. And unfortunately yeah. a lot of, uh, there are a lot of folks that in any community that, that either, cannot pursue an education because it's not an opportunity or because they choose not to go further. But education doesn't really just isn't limited to school setting, right? You can choose to pick up a book. You can choose to be open-minded and have a conversation. And the fact of the matter is that because of very recent historical traumas, I mean, in the Dominican Republic, you've got, you've got the island of of what was called Hispaniola, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really the whole island, and this is going to get me in so much trouble. The <laughs> yeah. island is called Haiti. There was no Dominican Republic until the white elite made a Dominican Republic. Yeah. This is after they reinstated slavery for a second time. This is the f- this island is the first place in the world that you can go to be a free black person. Wow. This is the first African slave revolt. The first one. And... There are Dominicans out there because of the, the, I mean, you had a dictator that was in power after a series of military leaders um, that was in power for like 20, 30 years Mm -hmm. and would like murder you if you were to like be pro-black, like any, like it's, and even after that, in the Dominican Republic. So, you know, um, this is like my, my father was alive in that time. Wow. So this is like right there, right? So you've got parents coming here to this country. People, as soon as that was over and they could come here, they came here. Like massive waves of Dominicans. And this looked very different than the Puerto Ricans that were coming here. These Puerto Ricans largely are not the ones that could come here, could afford to, um, because of the relationship with the United States. They weren't black Puerto Ricans. Many, most, The majority of them were, were not. They were white Puerto Ricans. Um, and so it looks different. So that's that's one thing. I think the relationship that that Americans, black and white, living here already had with with Latin people uh, was different in the 
20s, 30s, 40s than it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, -hmm. right? You had Central Americans, South Americans, Dominicans coming here later on. And also, you have this miseducation that happens. This generational, just generational trauma is like, is converted into like this weird tacit information of like, of, you know, of, and it's coded into you as a young kid, like, stay away from black people, you know? Well, uh, is that, is that because it's, and that education is the point because historically the only way to survive was to not identify as being black. I think that, and also I can only speak from the Dominican perspective. Um, it's also because part of, of what, uh, uh, what they call Dominicanidad, which is like Dominican, Domi- Dominican, uh, like the Dominican essence of Dominican is that we're not Haitian. Mm. That that was what was passed down. And Haitians, uh, Haitian people, the country itself, by just by nature of its history, at the time of the revolt, they had close to the population was close to a million slaves. A million. Wow. Dominican Republic at the time had less than fifty thousand people living there. Wow. So think about the proportion of African to non-African yeah. mm-hmm. on both yeah. sides of the island. Yeah. So now as this as this white elite, which is uh, are still benefiting on that side of the island because Spain is there, France is there, the British try to take it over, right? Europeans are just, this is the seat of America in the new world, right? At the time. So you've got this culture that, that develops, which is like, well, we're not, we're not Haiti. We're not Haitian. Although the country was called Spanish Haiti. We are not Haitian. We are, and then the 1840s roll around or whenever they decided they were Dominican, right? So you've got that compounding over 200 years. And then you've got dictators. You've got like uh, like crazy like racial uh, oppression and just all this stuff happening. And um, that, the idea that, and I think this goes back to what we we're speaking about in the, uh, back uh, a while back, what, which is, Black is so much bigger than just North America. Yeah. And we have to understand that the context in which Dominicans are living in is a context that's much older than the history of slavery in America. Mm. And it goes deeper. I mean, you got the first the first free slave country, country that was made up of enslaved people. And it's right next to the the colonial powerhouse of the Mm. world at the time. So it's like, Mm. you know, that is like so deeply ingrained and. I think it's going to take generations to fix that. But every Dominican that that I know that 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 knows who they are and their identity, I know they're out here putting in work and telling people, but it's but conversations. What about this generation? Do we have hope with Gen Z? Like, <laughs> do, you know, is so um, I, I. Yeah, I think we have hope with every generation. I'm very optimistic of what is to come. And honestly, it's that's the whole point. You know, we, we got to, you know, evolve, adapt or die. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, um, as we were, we talked the other day when we were having this type of conversation, Latinx, you know, I'm, I'm bringing that up right now. Yeah. Bringing it's, that up right it's, now. It's, it's so analogous to the to BLM. Right? Yeah. Explain. Wait, can, yeah. Can, well, can you because elaborate so on that? like in, in the United States and I think anywhere where, where BLM has taken hold, you've got all eyes matter and you've booked. But all lives matter. And so you've got this 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 movement, uh, Latinx, and it's like, well, it's just Latino or it's Latina or it's Latin. So it's like similar because you've got this this huge like social movement. But then you've got this counter 
like movement where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we just going to change the whole language? All right. And then you've got BLM. It's like, well, so like, am I just like not going to matter? Like, you know, it, and it's kind of oh, crazy. So you're saying Latinx is like pushing against the, or is it the other way around? I, no, 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 no. I think, like I think BLM parallels. and Latinx are in parallel, oh, parallel okay. roads. Okay. And and I, I think part of that is our, our recent, I, I know we were, Tiny bit political, but uh, our recent political climate, and oh, especially yeah. in the, Demo- sure. uh, uh, the Democratic Party, that's when Latinx came to light to me. Mm. It was every email, every advertisement, every single thing, obviously, because I'm Latin. Latinx, 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 from every single candidate. And I was like, that why email, am I seeing this? That's you know? when it popped up for you? That's so. It. I'll tell you, when when I was first aware of the, of the, the movement from... The departure from Latino or Latina was when I joined my fraternity and they the communication internally started becoming Latin with the at symbol. Oh, yeah, I I, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. But this is before. And, you know, I think Latinos are the we're like we're usually the last ones to kind of hop on the gravy chain when it comes to like we should be recognizing like uh, diversity. I think we're like kind of late on that. (laughs) So like the Latinx was in college. I started seeing that. But I was like still using the at symbol and I'm okay. like, wait, what's the X like? You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> that's crazy. It's, it, I think it's the same concept in yeah. a way. It's just an evolved concept now. You know, um, it's, more inclusive. I, it's more inclusive towards those individuals that have different labels than the normal systematic labels mm-hmm. that exist now. Yeah. There's and, how many genders now? Correct. Yeah. But yeah. And in my, in my personal view and my, uh, personal beliefs in a way i mean my opinion is always very flexible it's yeah currently this is how i understand it this is how i'm taking it in yeah i'm i get it i'm for the sentiment of latinx Mm -hmm. but am i ready to use that term for myself and for others i don't i don't think so i don't think i'm prepared to jump on that bandwagon i know eventually as I come to understand it more and I meet individuals like, like yourself that can articulate it and really explain to me the, why the, you know, the aspect of the Well, concept. I'll say this, like oh, my pronouns are she and her, mm-hmm. you know, um, that is how I think you as an individual are allowed to refer to yourself however you want. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the whole point of the inclusive movement and inclusivity in and of itself. Now, sometimes for fun, I'll spell black B L A X K just to be fun. That's cool. I never heard mm-hmm. that. That's cool. I don't know if anybody else does it. I probably saw it somewhere. I, I doubt I originated that. Being extra. Yeah. Just being extra. <laughs> extra you know, text culture. Right, but yeah. I think that, um, I mean, I like the X for others, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, um, Latinx is, um, a movement for, for people who aren't binary. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about like something a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? Which is e- like Black Lives Matter in a way is easier to capture everybody. Yeah, Correct. to capture everybody because when a Black Life Matters, the reason why it's so inclusive is because if you think about the lowest common denominator, if you solve for that, then you've solved for everything, mm-hmm. right? And so if we make policies and laws that are just and um, righteous for 
for black lives, then intrinsically we have made policies that are helpful to other minority groups as well. Mm -hmm. And people who identify differently, um, who are on the, you know, LGBTQIA. Oh, good job. Plus. Uh, yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of letters. <laughs> and, and, and still counting and adding. And always. still counting, yes. And with, with I what I've heard, what I've seen, because, you know, like being in a fraternity, you've got a lot of men that are chiming on topics at the same time in, in different forms, whether it's online or in person at conventions or whatever. And one of the biggest arguments I've seen against the use of, of Latinx is, um, are we just going to start calling like carros, carexes, gatos, catexes? Uh, and I'm like, well, and I get it. I get what they're saying. That's but a very all coming, coming from your, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And coming from your perspective, Shatora, when we say the word Latinos, what we mean is Latin men. Mm-hmm. Even if there's one woman, you still Latino. So now, right. now this is the problem. Let's say a policy was written, not using Latinx. Let's say like, for, let's say in some make believe universe, we wrote policies like all Latinos should have education. Now, what if we're talking about a town that has only women? There are no, there are Latinas. Right. So that that's, that's the fundamental argument I would make. I would say, or well, even if it's all women and just one man, or, it's still or, Latinos. Or, yeah, but mm-hmm. but let's pretend like there's a town where there's no men. The policy where all Latinos should have education doesn't apply to them. Right. What if there's a town where there's oh. 10 women and three non-binary people? Right. Well, Latinos still doesn't right. characterize them. Right. So like so so that that's that's I think the but the biggest issue I see people have is is language. And I think that's just like a, a straw, what do you call it? A straw man Oh, a straw man argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's crazy, but Yeah. Yeah, I think um, this is this is really interesting. This is like this is such a huge topic. And the one thing that I love in the last like three to five years is that there's been a lot more conversation about what it means to be Afro Latino. Mm -hmm. And the I think black people want to. And when I say black people, I'm specifically talking about black Americans. Right. Black black Americans really want to see. Afro Latinos um, identify with us, like not necessarily assimilate to what we are. Or like you know, we like the spice. We want you know, we like flavor. You know what I'm saying? It's spice for y'all. It's flavor for us. But I think that that identification and understanding that like we are walking parallel tracks here, you know. Yeah. And actually, yeah. bottom line is in America, if you ain't white. It's it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are more of like there are tears to minorities here in this country. But when you're talking about blacks and Latinos, yeah, we're one in the same, baby. We pretty much one in the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really appreciate this conversation because it helps to shed more light on the struggle within your community of kind of understanding what blackness is and accepting what blackness is in this country, we don't have a choice, but to accept our blackness. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't walk around saying that I was any different than Jamil. And quite honestly, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Right. Right. Right? I mean, because our culture is just (laughs) incredible. Um, But at the same time, you know, there have been different experiences in your countries where like, if you were too dark, you were going to lose your life. Mm -hmm. 
you know um yep. so yeah this is this is really interesting um i still have so many questions but i think we should continue yeah. the conversation yeah and i have a question too before oh. we wrap up okay. before we wrap well, we're wrapping up, up already yeah yeah we're about wow. to wrap up in a minute but <laughs> i don't want to put you guys on the spot either there but if there was a burning question that you guys ever wanted to know about black people what would it be mm. let us let us let us put us you know give us an opportunity to if it's anything at all. I mean, and nothing is, nothing is, you know. I mean, yes, we do dance better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's your general perspective on Latin America? Like, so, people okay. when you interact with them here. So, I'll tell you growing up what I thought. I lived a very sheltered life. And um, my my family, um, like, you know, I my dad is lighter than me. He doesn't really look black but I only identify as black. And um, so the media and all that stuff, it was like black and white, black and white. And we didn't really, and we didn't really, um, because living in Buffalo the is very segregated. Mm. So you only- mm -hmm. Buffalo's different. Yeah, Buffalo's mm -hmm. different. So you only really interact with people who are the same culture as you. Mm. So when I would think of um, Latin culture, I never really thought of, race like it was it wasn't until i became more educated like why is there hispanic and then race like why do you have ethnicity and then culture because they're just all the same and then you have that media image of maybe like a, a light-skinned puerto rican person in your mind of like what all hispanics look like and it wasn't until traveling and you know one of my best friends in the world is a native brazilian and her dad is black and her mom is white and so just even understanding that from that perspective like oh okay like they get their own ethnicity but like they're really no different than us mm -hmm. when it comes to uh the racial aspect so growing up it was just like one big amorphous group of people um and even you know a lot of ignorance was like people would say like the Mexicans or the Puerto Ricans and they're mm -hmm. referring to like all Latin people. Correct. Right. Okay. So Hey, to this day I'm so identified <laughs> from other people as a Mexican. I'll yeah. Tell you that. I mean I, I don't take offense to it. But I mean Mexicans are cool. Yeah. I mean so are Guatemalans. Hey, right. mm -hmm. my goddaughter's Mexican, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it you know, thank you. Yeah, thank so for the that answer. yeah, that would be kind of how I grew up, but I would I will say my perspective is much, much, much different now. Yeah, sure. it's kind of the same thing with me, too, because I think Shatora uh, kind of hit on it earlier um, just now where um, my perspective of, you know, Hispanics growing up, you know, in Buffalo, like she said, very segregated, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the, the black people on the east side, the uh, all the Hispanics is on the west side, you know, and that's pretty much like how how we knew uh, how we separated the cultures almost, you know, but. It, it took for me to get, you know, just older, a little bit more mature. College, I was college, absolutely, me. you know, and being exposed, and I think that that was that was the thing too. Um, exposure to to the different cultures yeah. allowed me to, you know, you know, develop a a better level of understanding. You know, um, quite as kept. You know, I was actually very close to joining uh, a Latino fraternity when I was in college. Um, because I started to just in my interactions with them, 
you know, and the guys that I interacted with, there was, yeah, we were different because of our, our cultures, obviously, but I, you know, I, I just looked at them as just, just another brother, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it took for me to get a little older, a little bit more mature. I wasn't, after my political experience, I was never. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I will say too, though, the one thing that I like about traveling, especially to like <clears throat> South America and the Caribbean and stuff is that like. I kind of fit in everywhere. Like people don't know what I am. So, um, and that's the whole, that's the beautiful thing. There's such a mixture. There's such a vibrant mixture. Mm -hmm. It's such a vibe. Mm -hmm. It's a vibe. Yeah. But then you go some places and they're like, Ooh, don't, don't, don't walk in the sun. And they're like leaning against the wall, like, Mm -hmm. like a rat. And it's like, what are you doing? Well, I mean, it's not good for wrinkles Uh or skin cancer. (laughs) What about you? Is there anything? I'm thinking, and um, I don't know, you know, like I grew up in New York City, so yeah, I kind of feel like I was exposed to a little bit of everything. Yeah, you were insulated in the in the culture, in the bubble. But even yeah. New York City, you got those areas like in Harlem, for example. You go past like one thirtieth, and now it's all Dominicans. You go below that, and it's all black. Um, but I feel like in a way. Until I was in college where I was able to be whoever I like. Nobody knew me in Buffalo. I was able to come here and like, like I like literally there's times when I'm walking in the street and people are like, Mateo, because they didn't call me Matthew. They call me Mateo because when I came to college, I was like, I'm going to be this person. <laughs> uh, and I, As I, we all do. <laughs> and I feel like my whole entire childhood, it was like I was just black and nothing else. So like I am black, but my identity is more complex than that. And mm. So, I don't know. I like I. I you know, I want to stop you there, like because isn't that the bottom line? And and that's kind of been my soapbox about being black in America. Yeah. is that my identity is more complex than that. Oh dear. And people want to want to box you in, especially as a black person. Oh, well, you talk like this, or you mm-hmm. lived on this side of the uh, of the town, and like, well, you didn't really have a fully black experience, really. Right. Oh, I didn't. Tell me about it. Let me tell you what right. I've been through. Mm-hmm. And just because I sought different things uh-huh. that weren't stereotypical, bigoted ideals of what a black person is, yeah. does not mean that I do not know what it is to be black. And so I think that we all have these very complex, nuanced relationships to our identity. Mm-hmm. And if we could get beyond the white supremacy and valuing whiteness over everything else, Mm -hmm. we culturally could come together more so and understand each other's perspectives. Right. So it's pretty much, let's stop viewing it as a diverse group and more of a complex group. I like that. Let's work out the complexity of all of us, different shades of, people yeah because my experience <laughs> as a black person totally different than jay's correct uh-huh. you know and even different than my own brothers uh-huh. right? right yep so 100 yeah yep. yeah um well so i'm just gonna give you guys a quiz real quick name a spike lee joint <laughs> <laughs> what's the one uh at the end of the movie oh, where he man. where he they they throw the chair to the window and, and it's funny because Spike Lee is like fucking from Brooklyn, and I'm over I here. Know. Like, like, nah, I'm I know. I'm just thinking it about rhymes the, with Brooklyn, bro. I'm just yeah. thinking about all the Jordan commercials he 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 made right. when he first started. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not black. Yeah. 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 Damn. Nah, but also, I gotta, I, to myself, I gotta say that growing up, I, I'll tell you this: I listened like any major album that came out, like I had on a CD. But 
that wasn't the the first thing that would play on my MP3 player or my cassette. Like was like Aventura or Anthony Santos. Well, or I mean, it was the, Aventura. Least, Aventura was, but I mean, but, but, but these are yeah, they were slapping this. and and they're mixy. But I mean, like uh, Blas Sudan, Anthony Santos, like black Dominican artists. Like yeah. that's what I Tengo Calderon. Uh, like it's black music. It's just not. Or even movies. It's, it's just not hip hop. It's just not jazz. But it's not. Right, but it's not what we think here. So like, so that the quiz is unfair, but. But I got you. Next time, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Wikipedia next time I before I get it's my, it's my court. I make the rules. Nah, but thank you guys so much, man. This is a really enlightening conversation. Very I know I learned a lot, you know, from you guys and just uh, the different perspectives, you know, and it's, it's so interesting just to, you know, see and hear those different perspectives, you know, and, and just honestly, just to see, you know, there's a lot of common ground, you know, between all of us, you know, so um, and our experiences are, are, are very similar. You know, we have very similar lived experiences, you know, so uh, thank you guys, man. We all scared when the police pull us over. Oh, yeah. oh 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I know them, yeah. I don't know no police officers. But, yeah. I know one get to know some. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. But no, thank you guys so much again you. for um, you know for joining us today. Uh, again, we always love when guests come by, so you guys are always welcome back always uh, welcome. to the Beast Week Podcast. Cool. You know, so and of course, uh, Shatora, you know, you did an amazing job leading the conversation today, thank per you. usual. You thank know, you. so um, I just I was just kind of sitting back, just being on the fly on the wall today. <laughs> You know, because I, I, I'll be honest, like, you know, when it comes to, you know, certain topics and such, like things that I'm not, you know, as familiar with, you know, I just want to sit back and just learn as much as I can, you know, so. And that's um, what this episode was all about, yeah, was really yeah. kind of opening our eyes to what our brethren, you know, are experiencing and talking about. Yeah. Because we all black. Yep. At the end of the day, well, we're all not, black. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, and that's, joking, black that, that's how we grow. It's it's through these conversations. Okay. We're educating each other with each other's experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, that's that's how we grow as people and how we can, you know, make our environments better for the next Absolutely. Uh, the next well, make sure you go, you yeah, make sure you go watch some Spike Lee movies, too. You know, okay. So. <laughs> They'll change your life. <laughs> I promise you. But yeah, so thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of the B-Suite Podcast. Make sure you follow us um, and listen to us on all your favorite streaming platforms, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, we are there. Uh, you can follow us online at the B-Suite Podcast on Instagram. Also, too, on our website, thebsuitepodcast.com. And again, Shatora, it's always been real. It's always been real. You my brother, yeah, yo. Always. And I'll see you in the morning. Oh God! Gym, so. Oh yes, you will. Uh -huh. right. Forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about it. But y'all, thank you again, guys, for tuning in. Um, and we'll be checking in with you guys soon. Peace.